theory or practice, it's a constant battle when you're teaching. I'm Dr. Joy Patterson, the Director of Educator Preparation at Governor State University in the College of Education. And I'm Dr. Amy Viaclia, Governor State University Assistant Professor of English Teacher Education. In teaching and learning, theory versus practice, Dr. Joy and I will duke it out over whether theory or practice wins the match. Yeah, I can't wait. So whether you're a teacher, an education leader, or looking to learn more about the field, you can hear from industry experts on education topics. We invite you to be the judge as we box it out. Stick around to find out who wins this week's match. Good morning, Dr. Amy. Good morning, Dr. Joy. How are you this fine day? I'm good, but uh, I'm feeling, I don't know, maybe a little sad. And I don't know if I'm a little sad because we're in nine months inside because of COVID and it's Friday <laughs> and we're here on the computer or because of the topic that we're going to talk about. I mean, part of our topic today is about teacher, teacher shortage, the dwindling appeal for teachers. Sometimes it makes me really happy just to talk about the teaching profession and you get all motivated when you're telling people about your profession. But then the sad part is the reality that it's just not popular anymore. So that really saddens me. I mean, to tears, Amy. I'm interested in talking about this and both we are both we both read the article. Well, let's talk, let's let's talk about the article. So okay. Delta Capen does a public attitude opinion poll every year or so. I think it's every year. This particular issue is the 50th anniversary yes. of the public's attitudes toward the public schools. So it's September 2018. And, and it's still very relevant today. Yes. Teaching, respect, but dwindling appeal. That's an eye opener right there. You know, so one thing, it really struck me, and, and I'll try not to be all over the place, because again, this is very emotional, but it, the article talks about Americans trust and support teachers, but they draw the line of wanting their own children to join this profession. Let's talk about that for a moment, because my daughter is a teacher. So I just want to find out from you, you have three children. I don't know anyone wants to be a teacher, but let's start with you. Why did you choose to become a teacher? Because you're a career changer, Amy. Oh, indeed. I started teaching well after I went to my undergraduate and graduated with an English degree. I was um, in the private industry, executive assistant, marketing, and went back to school to become a teacher. It was definitely a career change, but I'd always loved my teachers and I have encouraged my own college kiddo to become a teacher, but not yet. I told her, I said, let's get your degree, maybe in the master's program, work on teacher licensure. I just want this tide to turn so bad with the person perception of teaching because I don't want her to enter it right now. I don't think the tide has turned yet. I want her to get her undergraduate. I want her to then work on her master's 
and maybe within her master's, she can get teacher licensure as well. I mean, but what really is sad is 46%, according to this article, would support a teaching career that's down from 70% in 2009 and the high of 75% in 1969. So 46% would support. That means a lot of people are not supportive of their children going into teaching. Yes, and we're talking about people not supportive of their children becoming teachers, but most of this is coming from teachers themselves. So people like you and I telling their children not to become teachers. So like you, I am a career changer and I was a research microscopist and I could see growth in my field. So I, it, it wasn't about finances. So when I decided to become a teacher, it was because of my experience of teaching my children. So I had a couple of years in my life where I was doing some homeschooling and I just saw the impact that I was having on my children and I fell in love with teaching. And so that's what drew me to teaching and the career change. So I went in through an alternative route and now here 30 years later, I'm still teaching. And so when my daughter selected teaching as a major, I mean, she didn't hesitate. And I was like, well, I mean, why are you choosing teaching? What, what about all these other majors? She's like, oh, I didn't even think about that. I just want to be what you are. And she enjoyed coming to school with me, seeing the learning process and the creativity of being a teacher. So she never saw herself doing anything else but being a teacher. And, and But yeah, we lose that. I went to a, a college fair at a South Suburban high school. And there was no one in the line to become a teacher. So here I am. I have candy. I have giveaways. So a few students will walk past and take my candy, but didn't want to talk about being a teacher. And then I had one young man very interested in being a teacher. And actually, he wanted to be a music teacher. But once he saw his friends coming, he jetted out of line. He did not want his friends to see him in the teacher line. So what's with that, Amy? What is so unappealing about becoming a teacher today? Students see teachers stressed out. They are working to the max and maybe that's part of it. Maybe then this list, why not go into teaching? Here are some answers said in response to the question, why would you not like to have a child of yours take up teaching? Well, number one is crappy pay. That is repeated several times. The perception is that it's crappy pay. It's low salary, poor pay, considering all the responsibilities and personal expenses. Low pay, it's too political. Low income. They would struggle to make ends meet. The income is not enough to raise a family. In my experience as a teacher educator, I see people who might have at that second income to support the family as they are getting their teaching credentials. Someone who might have, they're either still living at home with their parents or they have a spouse who also works that allows that to be a two income household. But there are other things. The classes are too large. The kids are mean. Their time and effort outside the classroom takes an emotional toll. Yes, and we've talked about that before on the show, how emotional of a toll it takes. And the perception is, of course, teachers aren't paid enough to be the counselors and the instructors and the policemen and all of these different roles, these different hats that we have in the classroom. I think there's something else that's missing. 
I do. I think, too. I, I think money would actually help because when I think about, we say those who can, and there's those phrases, those who can teach. But you know what? Really, those who can choose careers that pay well, that are rewarding, that have great benefits, that have great support systems, they have good vacation packages, they have continuing education or reimbursement, they have opportunity for growth and flexibility. That's what people coming out of college, those who can, that's what they're looking for. And when I look at this list, there's only one thing on that list that a teacher doesn't have, and that's paying well. So I think pay will go a long way. And, and you're right, the teaching profession is the only job that a student gets to see firsthand. I mean, if you're thinking about being a doctor, you're just imagining what a doctor's life would be like, or a lawyer, or this, whatever. You, you imagine what that would be like without having that real experience. But a teacher, you've been in school for 12, 13 years. You have an image, a real image of what it's like to be a teacher. Depending on the school you come from, makes a huge determination if you want to be a teacher and if so at what grade level because if I come from a school does not have a lot of support system for the teachers and my teachers are stressed or my teachers are breaking up fights or they're physically exhausted then I don't want to be that well let me ask you this you mentioned doctor we we only have that experience seeing a doctor maybe a few times a year going for checkups But what is our perception of a doctor? Like, what do we know without looking up a college degree? What are we expecting to know when we walk into the office about that doctor? Well, we think they have a lot of money. They're well educated and they have support systems. We see it as kind of glamorous. And they're seeing one person at a time. So they actually have, they have time to do their job. (laughs) But there's also that level of respect. Yes. I'm assuming, and maybe that's wrong of me to do, but I'm making some assumptions. Whenever I go in to see a doctor or another professional, maybe an attorney or an accountant, I look at the wall, I see their credentials and know that they graduated from a certain university, a certain medical school, and they are solving whatever problem I have. They are diagnosing or they are telling me I'm in good health and I take their word for it. Mm -hmm. I see that they know what tests to run or what blood work to do and what vitamins to take and all of those pieces. And I trust what they're saying. I respect them because I know that they have a lot of years of school under their belt. And I do know that they have to have ongoing training every year. Certain so do teachers. So do teachers. And I don't think that anyone doubts that and, and, and teachers have respect. So I think it's a respected profession for the most part. I think parents respect teachers. We've all had to go through a teacher. So teachers have played a role in all of our lives. So I think overall, there's a lot of respect for teachers. During this COVID experience, there's definitely a lot of respect for teachers and parents are seeing firsthand what some of the teachers have to go through. So I think overall, overwhelmingly, and this article alludes to that, that people have respect for teachers. They think teachers are knowledgeable. They think teachers are skilled and they trust their children with teachers and they're receptive to whatever a teacher says. So I don't think that that's necessarily the issue. So I think it's a very respectable field 
but I think it's the perception of what are you getting into? It's a lot of work. It's a lot of pressure for a little pay. And because the requirement, so let's talk about that, Amy. Let's talk about what it takes to be a teacher, okay? If we look at salary, and if we take a teacher's salary, and we look at other careers with similar salaries and compare what does it take to earn that salary, I think that's kind of where some of the issues are. I mean, to be a teacher, you have to have a certain level of knowledge and basic skills and a lot of knowledge and content knowledge. So you have to really be prepared to be a teacher. You have to get through those different benchmarks and those gates that may prevent you from being a teacher. So these are well-prepared, well-educated people that become teachers. And so it's a lot of work to become a teacher. If I have the knowledge and the skills to become a teacher, that means I also have the knowledge and the skills to get into this profession and that profession and this profession and that profession that all pay two, three times more than a teacher. But I want to push you a little bit on this. A lot of the teacher shortage is driving forward some policies to reduce some of these requirements to enter teacher education programs. Maybe not to exit the programs with the credentials. You might still have a very high hoops to go through as you're exiting the program, but to enter it, a lot of the requirements are being lowered. Yeah, I I agree. They're being dummied down. Amy, because we need teachers. I do not think that that's the answer. I know that you don't think that that is the answer because what we're doing is that we're matching now the qualifications to the salary saying, oh, right. So we're going to match the qualifications to the salary so that we end up with those who can't then teach. Right. And that will then destroy the profession. And I I think that's where we lose, we will lose the respect. I think that that's a, a terrible cycle to get into. Having decreased standards for the teacher licensure, it perpetuates that thinking that administrators must provide a packaged curriculum to their teachers. Say, well, here is this curriculum that we've bought. All you have to do is implement it because there might be a lack of confidence in the professional or content knowledge. And then you have parents and community members that have less confidence in the teaching profession. You have new teachers. They might get less respect. Okay. Then they're tired, they're disrespected, they leave too soon, and then we have a brand new teacher to take the place who is maybe less trained. So what about retaining? Oh, Amy, as you're talking, I'm thinking about your story about the doctor. So what if this was your doctor? There was a doctor shortage, and so we're going to fast track someone to become a doctor. (laughs) Okay, can I have some forewarning? Uh, doctors are being fast-tracked because absolutely absolutely so I would want forewarning as a parent you send me that letter to say oh by the way your child is being taught by someone who's not a highly qualified teacher so what it what about if your doctor so we're going to lower the standards for the doctors we'll lower their GPA we'll lower the number of courses that they have to take we'll fast track their route to becoming a doctor what do you think would happen to patients that level of respect would yes and our health care our health care would be impacted you'd have more people dying you'd have more people sick you'd have more people that are misdiagnosed 
as a result. You would, fewer, you would have fewer people who would want to go see a doctor. It would be self-diagnosis or I can fix this with, with the vitamins I'm taking. I can get this over the counter. I can get on the, the, the website and type in symptoms so that I can just figure it out myself. I would feel just as qualified if I knew that medical schools were not preparing doctors in the same way. These game changers would be increasing the requirements for teaching. It seems counterintuitive, but if we're raising the requirements, wouldn't that be raising the bar and making it would it raise the bar? Out? And then I would be happy to be a teacher and feel like I'm part of the elite. Exactly. Why can't we make the profession as desirable as being a doctor or a business owner? Yeah, but here's part of the problem I would have. So I love that. That's all well and good. And I feel like I'm part of the elite because I can. I am a teacher. However, now I have student loans that I can't even afford to pay back. So then it goes back to the pay. Yes, it goes back to the pay. And so there needs to be some pressure on our government for pay of teachers. But there are things, there's ways. So we know that the teacher shortage, there's a teacher shortage across the country. There is a greater teacher shortage in certain subjects, our STEM subjects, science, technology, math. We also have a huge shortage in special education and ESL. We know that ESL population, that population is the fastest growing population, but we also have a huge teacher shortage in locations such as rural communities and also those high need communities and these black and brown communities. So when we take these shortcuts, Amy, who do you think is going to be hurt the most? Joy, I know. And that's, that's what saddens me. Yes, it's, it's a very sad situation. These aren't popular statements that we're making. Yes, it should be an honor and a privilege for districts to have a new teacher in their schools. And it should be honorable to be a teacher. And we know it is just as challenging to be a teacher as it is any other profession, maybe more so because as we've talked to other people on our podcast, it's a draining thing and we have to find ways to fill ourselves back up. And that's the part about retention that I'm most concerned about is teachers are depleted and they leave too soon. Hence the teacher shortage. Uh Why would people of color enter the teaching profession? It's a thankless job. It is. It is. I talked to a young lady, a student who's decided to be an early childhood teacher. And she said she, at an early age, she wanted to become a teacher. And she thought she wanted to teach English as a high school teacher until she got to high school. And she saw how the students treated the teacher. And she decided she doesn't want to be a high school teacher anymore. She would love to be, but she said, this is not what she sees. There's no teaching going on. And so she decided that she would have an impact, more of an impact by being an early childhood teacher. And it's sad. So again, that's why we're seeing such a low amount of minority candidates. There's just a very low interest of brown and black people wanting to become teachers. So if you look at the African-American population, so we know that there's 13% population, but only 7% of them choose to be teachers. 
every child deserves to have diversity of teachers, right? Regardless of the community that they live in, but they're not attracted to become teachers. So I think there's a few things that need to be done. And I know that you're working on some things. We're working on some things such as mentoring. So what would you say are some things that are game changers that can actually have an impact on teacher shortage? I think mentoring is a big piece of that. I don't think that first and second and third year teachers are fully reached that professional level of confidence until maybe year three or four. And having people who are further along in the professional career to build that confidence and to offer that support is incredibly important. I don't think that 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 is happening in a systematic, well-structured way. Maybe for the first year teachers, there's a mentor, but you don't see it further down the path. Yeah, I think it's very important also, and mentoring could be a game changer because retention is a greater problem than entry into teaching. I agree. And so if we can retain who we have, that's the easier fix. And I think trained mentors, not just mentors. So I think trained mentors is a great solution. So then it becomes, how do they get trained? And is there compensation for mentoring? Part of the issue too is the workload. So is a planning period that is intended to plan, to meet with your team, to design instruction, to analyze test scores, to revise instruction based on test scores, Is that time now supposed to be used to meet with a mentor or to observe a mentee in the classroom? Or is there an additional time that can be, maybe that's the compensation. You get an additional period of the day to have those conversations, but you don't see that. It's right, right. It can't be layered on, right. It can't be layered on and now it's more work. It has to be a change in the construction of your day where I have time to be the mentee and I have time to be the mentor, but it's far cheaper. And that costs money too, right? Because someone's filling in the gap. If you have one class less, for example, someone has to teach that class. There may be expense associated with that, but it's far less than the expense of hiring a new teacher the next year. Think about at GSU, the way in which we are designing our programs to build capacity for teacher leaders. We have a new teacher leader certificate for endorsement. We have principal preparation. And I like the idea of pairing the teacher leadership program with an alternative certification or other kind of licensure program so that it's already embedded as that handholding, that mentorship, where you're building the teacher leadership component, and then you're also walking someone into the profession. So we are attempting to make these strides. Right. right. And And I think Grow Your Own has a lot of promise. So several things that we're doing that Grow Your Own, developing the early childhood, the masters in early childhood, where we are working with preschool teachers, early childhood teachers that are at daycares and other early childhood centers who already have a degree, but no license. So we can do a job embedded experience, meaning they don't have to quit their job. So these are people who already love teaching. They are already committed. And by getting a teacher license and getting a master's degree, now they're increasing their pay 
and their opportunities. So if we can have job embedded experiences where you don't have to quit your job, were you able to quit your job as a career changer? I was not. I no, did no, not. In fact, I did not have that luxury. I had children. I had no. to work full time. I had a house. I had a husband. I was working on my doctorate degree. I absolutely could not afford to quit my job to, to student teach. That was not a luxury for me. No, not for me either. I went through an alt cert program and taught full-time teacher of record and went to school on Saturdays or evenings or both. And remember kind of breaking down, just crying because I had forgotten to do a journal assignment. Can you believe that? I had forgotten to do one little bitty journal yeah, assignment I can, I can and I just that. broke into tears. With you, Amy, I can believe that. <laughs> But can you imagine having, you're up to your eyeballs and there's no other place for that stress and anxiety to go except to leak out in tears. And I'm sure that's, that's what's happening to a lot of people right now is there are so many layers and more being added on and now teaching remotely or all of these pressures. But I am here to say that you and I recognize this and we're doing everything we can to establish and build programs in our university to help address these issues right. and to provide solutions rather than just talk about problems. Right. We, we want to build up the profession as it's intended to be, to be alluring and to be respected and to have that high level of honor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I look forward to kind of hashing it out and talking about more of the programs that we have in our... I am uh, too. And some of the initiatives that we have, because this is a battle, Amy, and one that we have to address head on. I also, when I think about some other ways too, I think of teacher recognition. I think teacher recognition is another low cost way to build retention. If you're in the profession, you didn't get in the profession for the money. So just that recognition that you're doing a great job and having some kind of system in your school, I think goes a long way of keeping that teacher there. And also, I love some of the grow your own initiatives that we're doing, such as the one we talked about identifying middle school and high school students that want to become teachers and getting them actively involved in some teacher initiatives and activities and becoming paraprofessionals while they're going to school to become a teacher, I think is another great initiative. There's some great things that are going on that we're doing to actually increase teachers. You know, you grow your own, your job embeddedness. We have some wonderful programs, mentorship. Those are all great initiatives to increase teachers. And now if we can get more interest and shake the illusion that teaching is... I mean, but teaching is great. You No, I mean, just the teaching career minus pay is great, right? Because it is rewarding. I mean, what other job do you have where you get to see the faces and see the impact of your work and you can get immediate gratification? So it is rewarding. It does have some great benefits. You have your summers off. And I mean, albeit many teachers are doing things or planning for the next year, but those are things that help to build you as an individual. So it has a great vacation package and many of the schools have continuing education or reimbursement if you want to get your master's degree. So there's opportunity for growth. 
You and I are where we are because of opportunities for growth. I became an administrator. You've been a principal, went a superintendent, and went into higher ed and became an administrator. So there's lots of opportunity for growth and flexibility. So there's just so many benefits of becoming a teacher. Well, I'm glad I became one. This conversation has really shown me just how much more we have to talk about. So until next time. Until next time, Amy. When practice wins. But in theory. (laughs) In practice. (laughs) Until next time. Thank you for listening to Teaching and Learning Theory versus Practice with Dr. Amy Viaclia and Dr. Joy Patterson. We hope that you have been inspired by this conversation and will join us again as we talk about trends in education and perspectives on teaching. We welcome your comments and feedback. What conversations are you interested in hearing? We'll leave it up to you, our listeners. Did theory or practice win the match? I think it was theory probably this time. Uh, practice. Until next time, we're Dr. Amy and Dr. Joy.